the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. on the series with uh, God's way with prosperity. Um, as Pastor H taught so excellently last week on tithing, remember what he taught us? He said that God is my first and my final authority in life, that God owns everything, and he is the one who causes me to prosper. So it's all about who he is in my life. And it is my honor and really my joy this morning to share on offering with you but not just offering, but offering with a mind that is set on abundance. Offering with a mind set on abundance. So Louis Giglio said, God's gift and blessings are opportunities for increased generosity. So it's always about giving. So let's start at the beginning. And that is Romans 12 verse 1. And we're going to read this from the Amplified. So Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, your logical, intelligent act of worship. Now, interesting, this word present your bodies also means to offer your body. And the same with the sacrifices, also offering. So we've got a double mention of offering. This is a very powerful scripture. So this is our standard for offering. To everything, give everything back to God what we have received. So offerings start in a mind and a heart that is totally surrendered to God. You will never understand until you have given it all. It's when we come, become one with God. So the New, the New York Times bestseller is a pastor, Mark Batterson. He believes that the key to radically increase your faith, your joy, your abundance can be found in these three words. Flip the blessing. So his discovery started with a simple um, experiment. Whenever Pastor Mark received something from someone, a blessing, he would give it in, this, in another way. So if someone paid him a compliment, they gave him a gift, they did something well for him, he would return that favor to anybody else. And we flipped the blessing by giving to others what we have received from God. So how has God blessed us? God blessed us, John 3, 16. He gave us his son. And what have we received in his son? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Friends, we've received everything. We've received our healing. We've received our prosperity. We've received our, our um, talents, our giftings, everything that we have. And we've received life in God. He is our life source. So that means if my offering is giving to him, that means everything, everything, me and everything that I own will I give to God. So I flip the blessing by blessing others with the same way that God has blessed me. And this is how this blessing is becoming a double blessing. Um, it almost turns into a game. 
and we know we can't outgive God. So he's always going to beat us on this game, okay? So God's blessing was also in Abraham's covenant, God, his covenant with Abraham, where he said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And the first blessing here is to receive. And the second blessing is to give it away. So this is a double blessing. And this is also where we receive double joy. Your gift, your offering is a seed for your harvest in the future. There is never a time that we give an offering and we don't receive from that. So let's see what's the biblical meaning of an offering. To present solemnly with deep sincerity as an act of worship or devotion unto God, my sacrifice, my offering. Let's start with Hebrews 13, verse 16. And Paul was talking to the people and he's saying, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Now this word, what is used in the New King James, share, in the King James it's the word communicate, which is the Greek word kanoina, which actually means to participate to take part. So our offering, when we offer something to the Lord, we are actually taking part in the gospel of Jesus. And this is not small. This is something huge. So um, this is what I, what I thought about this. We, we learn so much as we do in the Old Testament from the law, but we're not under the law this morning. So we're not under the curse this morning. We are in the New Testament. So that is why our offering is an act of worship. This is my devotion to God Almighty. So Moses spoke to the people in Deuteronomy 16, 17, and I want to read it from the NIV. Moses said, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord God has blessed you. You see, this is just saying the same thing over and over. So what has God blessed us with every spiritual blessing? We've received all things in Christ Jesus. It's always every, it's always all, not just something. And this is simply what offering is, is to share with others what you have received. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 11 verse 1 from the New King James and I want to use the scripture King Solomon is speaking to us here and he's giving us a picture he says cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days so see this, this is like talking about our giftings, our offerings, our provision that we give. He says, take it like bread, cast it in the water, because you will find it. What happens when you throw bread in water? It's going to break up. It's going to soak up the water, and it's actually going to scatter. It says it's going to, in another translation, it's going to scatter, scatter in many places. So my offering, my my gift, what I give, will go places where I haven't been before will go places where I can't be. You see, it goes before us. It will go. This is what the scriptures say. And you will find it after many days, which means that offering is always going to come back to you. Now, I want to share two love stories with you this morning. The one is a very sad story, and the one is a very good and a successful story. So let's start with the sad story. Now, I've every... Every person on this planet has got a story, but this man's story is going to touch our hearts very deep this morning. Let's call this man David. Now, David lived in Chicago in America, 
And he was a very familiar face on the streets of Chicago for about 23 years. So everybody knew him. But David lived in a tiny old uh, little room in a dilapidated building. And David wore tattered and old clothes and he ate from rubbish bins or he had food from people, from arms, from other people. Sometimes he would sell a newspaper here and there, but his life basically was very, very sad. Doesn't sound good. Does it sound good to you? It sounds like a sad life to me. But there was one thing about David that was very good. Everybody liked him. Everybody knew about David. People loved him wherever he went. So his friends got very concerned when the people in the area started saying they haven't seen David for three days. So his friends went to look for him. And they found him in his little room in this deserted building dead. The autopsy revealed that David died from hunger and from malnutrition. So he had no nutrition, he had no food, he literally died from hunger. But friends, they, they found something else. They found around his waist a money bag with $23,000 in it. So $23,000 in our currency is 338,567 rand 36 cent. Which tells me that David could have stayed in a nice apartment. Okay? He could have maybe had a little business. He could have eaten good food to keep him alive. He could have been good to other people. He could have. He could have. He could have. We all know the story. He could have. Okay? He didn't. Why what happened, did this happen to David? Because he did not use that which belonged to him. The way he lived, the way he ate, the way he saw life was not connected to that money and the money bag around his, his body. He, that which he owned, it was his own. He basically lived in poverty and he had a sad life. And this is sure to me, I came to the conclusion that David did not have a mind set in abundance. But let us learn from a guy whose mind was set in abundance. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We're going to read from verse 17 to 19 in the New King James. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So what was the difference between David and Abraham? David had money, you agree. He never used it. Abraham had a promise. He used it. In the first place, he believed it. And then he acted on that. So he used what God has given us. What an amazing example of faith. That even though Abram has not yet seen the delivery of what he was promised, he believed it. His faith was not in himself. His faith was in God's promises. Now this verse says, actually in verse 17, was it 17 or 19, that it was Abraham's only son. We know it wasn't. He had Ishmael as well. But in God's eyes, Isaac was his only son. Okay? So this offering of Abraham came from an established heart. Abraham was established in God's promises to him. 
And let me prove it to you. Let's go to Genesis 22. And we're going to read from, I'll just, I'll give you background from 1, 2, and then we start reading in 5. So this is the account where God spoke to Abraham. He said, take your son, go to the land Moriah. I will show you the mountain which you go and go offer up your son as a sacrifice to me. So let's read from verse 5 in Genesis 22. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. What did Abraham not say? He didn't say, we will go, and I will come back to you. He said, we will go, and we will come back again, implying that Isaac would be with him. So Isaac, what happened with Abraham here, if we look, go back to Hebrews 17, 11, Abraham did not see Isaac dead. He believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. And that is why I want to ask you, do you see your finances insufficient this morning? Do you see a dead? Or do you see the promise of God coming alive in your heart and actually um, manifesting that what God has promised you? So at all, what I'm talking, if you hear the, what, uh, the theme is, my mind is set on abundance. What I actually want to talk is about what we think about. And let's think about Abraham. If Abraham just once thought that he was going to lose his son and never see him again, he would not have been able to have faith for that promise. If he once thought that he was going to get on his way to tell Sarah that he killed their only son, if he once thought that he had to take a knife in his hand and kill his son, I promise you he would not have had the doubt would have definitely come into his heart. So he focused his mind on the promise of what God has given him. Abram's thinking sets the stage for his receiving. Our thinking set the stage for our receiving. That is why Proverbs 23.7 is a life scripture. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you and I think in our minds and in our hearts, so are we. So Abram's mind was set on receiving from God. Now, we cannot consistently operate differently than what we believe in our hearts. And there's a golden connection between our hearts and our mind. What's in your heart will, will, will frame your mind, but also what you think about, if you're not careful, it will go and lie in your heart and it will set a belief system. So this is the golden connection. So what we think in our hearts is more than just random thoughts. It's actually like a meditation. It's like focused thoughts that will form an image for you, and that image will actually create an entity. So what you think will become your reality. Friends, we cannot be tempted with that which we do not think upon. That is why if Abraham didn't think about his son as dead, and that is why he could stand on the promises of God and on the word of God. So verse 6 uh, so Genesis 22, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, it's interesting here, the fact that Isaac asked that, it was very clear that Abraham didn't tell his son that he was going to kill him that day, okay? So Isaac didn't know. 
Isaac didn't know. So, um, verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. It's very important that Isaac did not, uh, Abraham did not tell Isaac that he was going to be the offering because he simply didn't believe it. Okay, he believed that God was going to save. He actually believed that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. And this works the same with us. We believe and we receive. So this is a picture of what happened between Abraham and Isaac. is a picture of what would happen one day. God would send his son as an offering for us. So, verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar here, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, Josephus said that Isaac was about 25 years old at the time, and um, most scholars said that he was 33 years old at the time, but Henry told us just now that Abraham at that time was 125 years old. So get the picture, Okay. Here is a 125-year-old man, and he has got to take a 33-year-old and put him on an altar and keep him there to let him lay still until he was going to kill him with a knife. It's impossible. It's impossible, which tells me that Isaac did it all himself. He got on the altar. Abraham might have helped him, but he definitely was in line with what he's. He had no, no plan not to go, against his, to go against his dad. And this is how a living sacrifice works, okay? A living sacrifice, you put a sacrifice on the altar when it's alive. It's going to get off. It's not going to stay on the altar. But Isaac stayed there. Why? Because Isaac trusted his father. Because he knew Abraham trusted his father. He knew that his father trusted God. And that is why he could trust his father. I want to ask you, are you trusting your father? Do we trust our father? And then in verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Friends, this was it. There was no plan B. Isaac was his only son. And he literally, I mean, he took the knife to kill his son. Isaac simply had to live because Abraham believed that he would. His heart was set. God commanded him to go and offer his son. That's what he did. So when God commands us to give, that is what we do. Okay. Verse 11, but the angel from the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And then he said, here I am. Verse 12, do not lay your hands on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know, in my own words, all God wanted, God just wanted Abraham to believe him. And it's the same that God wants from us. He just wants us to believe him. All we have to do. And this is what our giving is a picture of. It's a picture of, like Pastor H said, trusting God. But it's also a picture of receiving the love of God and love God back in return. For me, offering to God is a love picture. That's what it is. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. 
Verse 14, and Abram called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In the King James it said Jehoshaphat Jireh, this is what uh, Jehovah Jireh, what he called it, and it also stands for it shall be seen. And this is what trusting God will do for you and I. You will see what you believe. And verse 17, let's jump to 17. And then God said to Abraham, that in blessing I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sands on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. And we know that that became his truth. Because God released his blessings through his words. And what God says, and we receive it by faith. The same with Abraham. The moment he speaks, we receive. And it will be so. So, And then the promise in verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. This is what our offerings is. As God is giving us, he is asking us, and we have a response. So we know that we are blessed in Jesus. This is in the New Testament. We have Jesus. And if it is about Jesus, it's all about extravagant grace. And if it is about Jesus, it's about all people. It's about the whole world. Jesus is about everybody. So it's not just about Abraham or about you and I. So let us go from here to feeding the 5,000. We'll turn to John 6, and I'll, we'll just read it from verse 1. Let me read it to you. So after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were deceased. And Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Verse 4. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And verse 6. But this he said to test him, because he himself knew what he would do. Obviously Jesus knew what he was going to do. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. This was the, the same wage for 200 days. So it was impossible. You get this. It was impossible to feed these people. And then in verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, verse 9, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Now, I want to stop here. The Amplified said there's a little boy here, and I want to talk about the little boy first. And don't test me theologically. This is my picture I'm going to paint for you, okay, about the little boy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but imagine Jesus and the disciples, and here comes the multitudes, okay? But if you ever have been gone on a hike trip with, a girl, with children, okay, I've got four girls. They were in primary school, we went to hike with my dad and his partner and their families. And the kids went with me. And the, my, my dad's partner was so angry because he said the children were going to hold us back. Now, I promise you, the kids proved him wrong that day. Of those, it was a five-day trip. Because what do children do? 
They don't just walk with you. They run ahead and they come back. And then they run again and they come back. And this is the picture of me of this little boy. So this little boy saw Jesus just like the other people did. And he decided, I'm going to be there first. So he ran. And when he got to Jesus and the disciples, he overheard Jesus speaking to Philip. Because Jesus was saying, what are we going to do with all these people? How are we going to feed him? Now, if you think about the little boy, his mom packed food for him for the day. Five loaves, two fishes. And when he heard what Philip said, something happened in his mind. What did he think? I have food. I can give it. So he went to Andrew and he pulled on his robe and he said, Andrew, take it. You can have it. This little boy didn't even think about the people. All he thought, there was a need. And he have got something to fulfill that need. This little boy offered everything that he had that day. You know what? It wasn't about how small it was what he gave. It was how big his heart was. He gave everything. And it's the same with you and me. This miracle, I believe, started in the heart of this little boy. Because he heard something. He thought about it. And his thoughts was connected to his heart. Because his heart was set on abundance. And he gave what he had. It's the same with you and me. We might have little. But God will make Lots with that little. So the miracle started with him. Now let's go to, I want to, now let's just stay with verse 9. I want to put your attention on what Andrew said. What did Andrew say? But what are they among so many? That's mostly what we do, isn't it? What is this what I have amongst that so many needs that I have? Let's go to verse 10. But Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And then verse 11. Then, then Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. I want you to see these words. As much church as you want as much as you want Jesus didn't say it doesn't say as much as they need it it said as much as they wanted Jesus Father God is the only one on the planet of this earth who's always going to say to you my child as much as you want you can have as much and uh, this is actually if I think about uh, verse 11 when he took the loaves and when he had given things. If I think about this as a picture of our lives, this is us giving our offering. So what did Jesus do? Jesus is taking your, make it personal, your offering this morning. He's taking it in his hands. And he looked up and he's saying thanks. Jesus is saying thank you for your offering that you gave him this morning. And then he gave it to the disciples. In church, we bring our offering here. It goes to the disciples. And those disciples go give it to the people. You see what's happening with your offering? In the end, it's going to feed 5,000 people. 
It can, give five, it can feed five million people. The only thing that we have to have is to know, like the little boy, it started with a little lunch. It started with a little lunch and it started about a thought that I can do something with this. Make sure, church, that your mind is set on abundance because it doesn't matter what you have or what you give. If your mind is not set on abundance, you are not going to receive whatever you want that God actually wants to give you because little is much when God is in it. Verse 12 said, when they had eaten enough, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. You know what? God had something to work with that day. The Lord had something where someone was saying, what are we going to do? This is not enough. Lord Jesus took that little, and because of a little boy's heart, it fed 5,000 people with all the other children and all the women. But you know what's the, the, the biggest picture for me of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or wherever there is a miracle, and our hearts connect with God, and on that is that the people will see Jesus. When we trust God with our finances, who's going to see? People will see Jesus in your life. You know why? Because finances is such an important part of everybody's lives. That the part, like Pastor Henry said, you don't want, it's got to cost you something. It's got to mean something from you. So when you can share with others and people see that, that you share that offering, that gospel of Jesus, they're going to see Jesus. Because it doesn't come naturally for us to give. It doesn't come naturally. Not money. Maybe love, maybe time, maybe good things, but not money. So this morning, remember that your seed is your harvest for your future. And we will receive what God has meant in, our, in his heart for us when our mind is set on abundance. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the giver of life. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us this morning, word this morning and that this word will produce life. I believe this morning that hearts are being set free from, from troubles about finances, from worries regarding finances. I believe, thank you, Father, for your anointing and your word that hearts will be renewed, that we have hope in you. Thank you for reminding us this morning that you have got so much more in store for us. Just receive God's word in this moment. Just paint your own picture and just tell the Lord in your heart that you promise that you will set your heart and your mind on His abundance. That's all that we do because Jesus is our example. He looked up to His Father and He thanked Him. 
So I want to thank you this morning, Father God, for all the good gifts, for everything that you have installed in us, for the fact that you have given us life, that you give seed to the sower. Thank you for the seeds in this community, Father God. I pray, Lord's healing over our hearts this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word come alive in our minds, that we, we have a moment, a change of direction, that we will never think lack ever, ever in our minds again. Thank you, Father, that your word is true. I bless these people of yours. In your holy name, I bless them in abundance, Lord, with that you have already supplied. And by faith, we receive it this morning because you're a good God. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who